Updog fella. Look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear-inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com slash golf. Fella. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. I'm Rick Tockett, and you're listening to Missing Curfew. Welcome back to a fresh episode of Missing Curfew Up Dog. Mondays. Big fella. Monday playoff time. Uh, the interviews continue, my friend. The playoffs keep rolling on, and there's just shitty fucking playoff calls continue to roll on. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, talking about a guy who would fucking be in the box a lot right now would be our guest this week. Our Rick, the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, uh, Rick Tockett. Talks would be going. He wouldn't be getting away with anything. He'd be in one. No, no, he would be. Um, He would would embrace it. He would embrace that box. Embrace the box. I'd be sitting in that box a lot too. Yeah. I mean, this is it's tough to watch, but uh, yeah. So Talks has been a great friend of the pod. Um, Obviously, we both loved him at TNT. We miss him on TNT. Um, I'm an ex Canuck. You had a little cup of coffee there, so uh, I think he did an unbelievable job going in there. I think the future's bright for these guys. So I wanted to reach out to him. He just got back to Vegas, but uh, looking forward to this one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we'll get a feel for, uh, you know, just the itch of him not being in the playoffs, uh, his view on the team, his view on uh, the new TNT stuff, and and then a little bit of to chat about Gretz. Yeah, um, I miss him on TNT. He had a good, uh, he had the good banter with Biz, you know, keeping Biz honest. And it was nice to have a coach's perspective. And um, I miss him on there, but I was happy for him. Uh, he's an absolute beauty. So uh, here he comes, Rick Talking. Rick Talking. Welcome back to Missing Curfew, Up Dog. Um, you know we watch TNT. We love it. I got to be honest. I, I miss seeing this beauty on there. We both miss it. Yeah. Keeping biz. I think honest. everybody misses. Keeping biz honest. Yeah, know, he always kept biz honest. So friend of the pod. Yeah, friend um, of the pod. Absolutely. So head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, legendary Rick Talking. Talks. Thanks for taking the time, fella. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, like, you know, this is my man and, uh, you know, how good he is, but uh, your podcast, man, you guys are, like, I got to admit, I told this, you guys are fucking closing in on uh, on uh, spitting chicklets. Like, well, you guys, uh, you, well, you guys, what did you guys start a year ago? Well, well I think fuck, it's it been, seems like it, 10. Yeah, I think it's been a little <laughs> bit longer than that, but we always say people mention us to spit chicklets. We're like, well, I wish we were getting paid like those fucker. Biz is getting paid like a first first liner now. Yeah, Biz makes a lot of money. He makes a lot of money. He's a, he, he's up there. He's probably yeah. He's probably getting paid like a uh, like right now about a thirty five goal score. Yeah, the uh, eighty point guy is probably making that kind of money right now. Biz still got the first dime he's ever made. Still doesn't know how to spend it. Yeah, he's actually getting better. When I first got there, he was pretty cheap, and then uh, he's starting he's starting to send it a little bit more now. He is, yeah, but he no. was pretty cheap when I first started. Yeah, he, yeah, I think he put his credit card down in New York one night. Remember, he bumped into him. Didn't we have dinner with them or something in New York? And he pulled his card out the club, yeah, and I almost no, fell yeah. over talks. I was like, "Holy shit, here we go!" Yeah, yeah, we well, he might have the bar. It might be the barstool credit card. Who knows? It might not be his <laughs> talks. Yeah. We knew we, we we knew we were we felt like we were coming when uh, they stopped mentioning our name on their podcast. You know, <laughs> we're like, hey, no. they, they feel the heat. We're coming. <laughs> we're coming, boys. Well, I'm being sincere, man. Like, uh, you know, I, I listen to a few podcasts. You know. Uh, I like listening to different, you know, just, you know, what's relevant in the league. Uh, sometimes, you you know, you, you pick a few uh, guys to listen to. But, uh, 
uh, over the year, man. Uh, I got to admit, um, you know, you guys, I guess Spit and Chicklets, is that the, are they the best so yeah. far? I mean, they're, they're, they're closing the gap. Well, they're the OGs. They're the yeah, original they paved, gangsters. They paved, they paved the, the way. way. And, and to, yeah. to a lot of podcasts, not just hockey, yeah. like they, they jumped out into a field that not many guys knew what to do and they've, they've crushed it. They've, yeah. they've done a great job. And so, uh, we, you know, we look up to how they, how they've done things and probably the, the hiccups they've had because we all have them in this space, yeah. as, as you know, in your media world and, and, you know, post hockey stuff, it's, it's a learning curve, but it's been fun. It's been great. Well, you got, you got to do these sort of things. Even when I was in Vancouver, you know, you had to wear a mic, you know, like they follow you around, you know, the old school guys back in the day, I'd probably say no way. But now if you want to grow the game, it's like, uh, you know, yourself, um, your podcast, like my son's 23. He listens to it. You know, he doesn't want old, boring, old hockey, you know, the old style, right? He wants like some fresh, you know, he wants to know who you guys like tonight or yeah. who's playing well in opinion. Or, hey, the coach made a mistake or the player made a mistake. And that's, that's why they, that's why the young generation, they want to hear that sort of stuff. So, and we got to grow the game. So yeah. keep doing your, what you're doing. Thanks, fella. I agree. And uh, <clears throat> talks, let's go back to when all this kind of unfolded, because like I said, I, I would watch you on TNT. I'd fire you a text on commercial. You'd fire one back for me. So selfishly, I was like bummed that you were going to leave. But as an ex-Canucks player, I, I thought it was going to be a great hire. But kind of walk us through, because I know how much you love TNT. Yeah, I, I really had a, you know, honestly, I, I was going to get back in. Um, I always thought, hey, if there's a the right opportunity, but I really like what I was doing. I, I could work for TNT for the next 10 years, you know, and what they, what they represent, um, kind of the connection we started having with the NHL. So it was really fun. And then, uh, you know, I, but I was always friends with Jim and Patrick and over the years, they always kept in touch, you know, Hey, what do you think? Like, you know, just as normal conversations with your, with, you know, your past uh, friends in, in the business. And it just started to get legs, you know, say, you know, we're, we're not happy what's going on here. Would you be interested? And uh, it sucks on my end too. You never want to be that guy in the dark shadows, you know, wait, you know, wait for the guy, you know, I hope the Canucks lose. I, I was never that guy, but it took me a lot, a lot, long time to kind of figure out if I was going to take that job. Um, you know, obviously, you know, it kind of sucked how it went down. That was the only thing I hated about it, but um, you know, we've all been fired and somebody else comes in and takes our job. Talk. I wanted to just ask you, did it take a special like, opportunity like this one with the Vancouver Canucks and seeing their young players and seeing, you know, the city and what it is and being in Canada, did it take that sort of specific spot to, uh, to make you do the move? Yeah, it's a, it's a rabid fan base, you know, uh, you know, Obi will tell you it's, um, they, they, they're craving for a winner. The city is hockey crazy. It's really the only, they got the white caps there. They got BC lions, but they're kind of the, the big show in town. Um, and, um, it kind of intrigued me, right. To get back to that Canadian market, a lot of pressure, uh, which, which, uh, no problem, you know, they, I'm going to swing the bat, right. You, you know, hopefully it, it works out for me, but, um, and then obviously the past relationship with, uh, Rutherford and, and Albine, uh, how they ran Pittsburgh, you know, we had a good run there. Um, you know, when I was assistant coach, so, and there's some good players there. I mean, we got, there's three or four high elite players. Uh, we got to find some other other pieces to to get this uh this train going to get us back in the, you know this this franchise back in the playoffs so you mix that all in and i was like yeah man let's go for it talks i want to tag what i'll be saying about the canadian seeing the fans and you're bang on and when it comes to the media I, I thought you did a great job right when you went in there like i, I love the vancouver media they were great to me there was times they could have been harder on me they were they were great with me travis green when he coached there i would tell greener like open up a little bit more like you're kind of giving the bill belichick approach i thought you did a great job of being yourself did working with tnt and that help with that with the canadian media like vancouver yeah i think so you know just being for the media side <clears throat> i know they have a job you know, Greeny's a close friend of mine, and I really think he's a really good coach. I yeah. mean, I, I don't think he should have got fired. Um, and we talked about that. But, you know, the one thing I, I think Greeny would, would be different now, like, you know, he told me he'd very rarely go out. You know, he'd stay in his apartment. And uh, I said, hey, man, if I take this job, man, I'm not staying in my apartment. No chance. Um, you know, I'm walking the streets. Um, you know, there's a couple of places I found me and Adam Foot go, some really good places to go have a, you know, a, a good meal or something, you know, a beer or something after the game or, or, you know, between the games, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to let the city hold me hostage because I'm an NHL coach. So that's one thing I've kind of have found the balance. Uh, now, listen, you lose five, six in a row. I might change my, my opinion. <laughs> I might, I might lock myself in my room, but I don't think I'm that type of guy though, to be honest with you. 
No, and talks. I was lucky, right? We won two divisions when I was there, but I embraced yeah. the city. I embraced it, and, and I went out, and I fucking <laughs> yeah, you did. Maybe embraced it too much, but like I went out to meet people, and, and especially when you're winning. But even when we lost, I would still go out for dinner, and I would, you know, what's going on, Obes? Ah, we, you know, the Cityans will get it going. Don't you, worry, boys. We'll you embracing okay. that city gave us our name for our podcast. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think even if, <laughs> yeah. you're, if you're taking a couple losses, you got to still like embrace the city. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, it's like you said, you know, talking to fan, hey, what happened? It's no different than the press. You know, they're 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 looking, they want answers. They, you know, they'll they'll ask you, hey, in the third period, you took this guy off the line. And I'm like, man, you you they noticed the, the game that much. Like they they noticed everything. You know, I was in Arizona, I mean, you know, if I made a line switch, it'd take a month for the, the press <laughs> to find out. Uh, so it's a it's a totally different, it's a totally different uh, market. And uh, you know, they keep you on your toes. Some there I, I will say, you know. There's some narratives they try to paint that's not the truth, but I get what they're trying to do. If you're if you're honest with them, I think you're fine. To be honest with you, yeah, no, no there was a couple guys this year on social media that I almost fucking went full throttle at when you guys were playing <laughs> unbelievable, and they're still nitpicking. The one guy I did light up, I'm like, buddy, like, how about some positivity coming out of you? A little positivity. They've won eight <laughs> straight or whatever it is. And you're still nitpicking some stupid thing. Well, you know what? Hey, listen, I, I listen. I, I know it. Coaches bump. You know, they did it last year when it, when it, there's no pressure, you know, same old – like you hear all those narratives, but the only way you're going to change that is, is is the coach and the players together. Like so um, – and I can understand some of the people, they snipe about stuff, but uh, I can't listen to that. I just got to worry about what's in the dressing room. Talk, you mentioned footy. Um, walk me through like choosing your assistant coaches that, that you got to bring in. And then I had Yosi in St. Louis, you know, smart, great guy. He sticks around his influence with, with, um, you know, your decision-making and your structure. Walk me through a little bit about that. Um, you know, that, that setup that you had. Yeah. So when I was talking to Jim and Patrick about the job, uh, I, it was, I said, I, I need to bring a couple of my guys and I knew footy. I coached footy uh, when I first retired, uh, I think it was 05, I went to Colorado. Uh, so I know footy, and, I, you know, we, we stayed in touch, not like we talked every day. Um, but we talked during, actually, last year's playoff, and he would text me on, hey, man, on that two-on-one, uh, would you play it this way? Or he'd talk about system stuff. And we just kind of got a relationship of talking system. Um, and then when this job was – I was thinking, who can I get? You know, a lot of, a lot of the good guys were taken – I knew Gonchar, who I absolutely love. We had him in Pittsburgh. He's a part-timer there. I knew if I could land him, that was a tough one if I could get him. And then Footy, I, I took a shot. An experienced guy, never been a coach before in, in the NHL. And um, I, hit, I hit home runs with those guys. I mean, uh, you can ask, you know, you guys can call any of our D and they'll be forthright. Those guys have helped them a lot. Um, really good. They're solution guys, right? I can be the hard ass sometimes. They come in, they're the cleanup guys. And I, I they, they really take their job seriously. Um, they feel they can fix every D. That's the way. And that's, that's as a coach you want. You want those type of guys, those, head, uh, those assistant coaches where they feel they can help a player out. It's always smart to take a couple yeah. D with you, eh, Tox? You don't want, you don't want to wear your like the up dog. You got to get a couple D men there. <laughs> you can't keep me under control. <laughs> Where's up be? Up dog. I actually wouldn't mind up being in the lineup. Uh, I need some comic. I need some kamikaze guys on the floor check, man. Yeah, I told hey, you. Look, uh, we're looking for him. He'd sign a PTO right now if you're offering. If you're offering a PTO, he'll <laughs> sign it right now. Sign it right now. Oh, boys, my right hip though. I don't know what I did. The golfing last week. The right hips in one. I feel like. I just, yeah. oh, and I fell off my scooter. I fell off a bird scooter last week. Talk, it wasn't perfect. I felt like I actually played game one and two on the road. Yeah, talks. I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't know if he'll be able to play back to back for you, but he can play Saturday night at home for you. He can play Saturday night at home for you. Um, talks. I want to ask you because you know you went in, you won your first game, then you went to Seattle and you took it on the chin. And I remember your press conference after. It was so real and authentic. We got lots of work. Like to me, watching your structure and their compete from the boys is what really made me proud as an ex-Canuck, but did you go in there? Was that the first thing or get to know the guys? Like how, what was your first thing you did when you went in there? Well, obviously analyzing the team, what, what they needed. I, I felt that we needed to be a better breakout team and uh, we had to change some things. These zone coverage. I, I, you know, it's okay to make a mistake. It was the second and third guy making the mistake. It was so egregious. Like they were getting back doors, you know, like it's okay. Somebody makes a mistake. So, but the other four, four guys got to hold the fort. Um, I felt everybody, you know, we were pushing their chips in. If a guy made a mistake, then a guy would lose his position. And the next thing you know, there's a back door on our goalie. So that's the one thing I'm most proud about. Not so much me, but the players really took that to heart. They really cleaned that up. You know, we would make a mistake by that. 
we held the fort. It wasn't as bad. And I think, can, can we get that momentum in training camp? Can we still have that same mentality of uh, making sure that we're not, you know, we're just not all in on every, on every mistake. You know, if there's a two on one, it's going to happen. Can the D play it and let the goalie can, can, can we get them go see the puck? You know, it doesn't have to be a backdoor play. So, those are the little things that we really kind of installed. And, 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 you know, we, we couldn't, you can't change everything. And, um, and then offensively, you know, we uh, implemented a couple of things. The twins helped me uh, on a couple of little things that really helped. Um, and I think we can only, you know, we're only going to get better in training camp. Yeah, I agree. And and when you go in there and try to get to know the guys and, and you know, you have whatever 20 games left you had, like how much time did you spend of pulling up in your, 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 your coach's room? Oh, come here. I want to talk to you. Like, do you do that? Or you just focus on, I'll get to know these guys over the course of the last 25 games or whatever. It's all relationships, man. Like, yeah. ex, like we can actually know what the depth, um, you know, I feel I'm a good X and O's guy. There's so many good coaches that have X and O's, but you know, if you look in the league, the guys that really communicate well are successful. You got it. Every guy's different. You got to spend time. I don't think you can go more than two days without really actually talking to a guy, like really talking to a guy. You don't have to spend 20 minutes, but yeah. just something. Um, I think old style coaches, I mean, there's times where, you know, coach wouldn't talk to you for 10 days or they, they, they don't, it's not like they, they avoid it. It's just, they don't make time for you. And I think it's important. Um, it's really funny. I kind of woke me up one time, Jack Stenica, one of our players, he came in, he wasn't playing much and he came in one day and he said to me, you know, he wasn't complaining. He goes, hey, talk, you know, you haven't really, you know, I see you work with some other guys. You know, you haven't really talked to me that much. You haven't really worked with me. And I, I took it to heart. I took it personally. I go, man, I really apologize. Like, it kind of hit me. I mean, I got to make sure I get to everybody. So sometimes as a head coach, you need a wake-up call. Yeah. From, yeah. From a player. Yeah. From a player. Yeah. I remember playing too. That's a message that, you know, it's it's great. I hope young players listen to you say that right here because it's it's nice to know that a coach is like, sometimes you're dealing with so much stuff that you're you're yeah. dealing with your own stuff that you don't realize that, Hey, this kid, like, you know, he, he should come and say something to me. Yeah. Like, and I think that that having that open locker room type feel <laughs> is the dynamic that works in a positive way. Yeah. Like having these kids, yeah. like it's open door policy yeah. boys. And that's come in and shoot the shit with me, whether it's good, bad, whatever I'm here, you know, cause I'm dealing with a bunch of new shit here too. I just got here, yeah. you know? And I, and that's what I, you know, I told him, I said, I apologize, man. I, you know, as soon as you get in there, you know, you get, you got a lot of obligations, even outside the players. Uh, but I always tell players, man, if you got bullets, come in my office, man. If I, if I played you 12 minutes, come in and say, man, hey, talks. I thought I played pretty good. Like, I watched some of my shifts. Like, I've been wrong before. You're like, man, I lost you, man. I apologize. Or there'd be some times where the guy will watch him. I watch him with him. Like, hey, man, you got no bullets in the chamber on this one. He goes, yeah, you're right. I, I maybe I didn't watch the shifts properly, but, but, but yeah, you gotta have, you gotta have that dialogue. Yeah. You do. You gotta, yeah, you have to have that. And, and, if you show the players you're vulnerable too, like where, you know, I think old style coaches always had that persona, you know, it's on my way or the highway and we, you know, we're, we don't make mistakes. That's not true, man. We're vulnerable too. Like we, we make mistakes. Yeah. I remember my, my, after my second year in van with AV, we had the best conversation. And I said, why, why did it take two years for this to happen? AV. And like, I've always looked at it. Maybe uh, like he should have pulled me in, but maybe I should have went into him and knocked on the door halfway through my first yeah. year and be like, Hey man, you know, what's going on here? Like, you go talk to me, you know, I'm trying to play physical. So it's on the player, I guess, ups as much yeah, as the coach, yeah. right? Talks a little bit. Well, yeah, you're trying to pay the mortgage too, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're both trying to survive and it's, uh, you know, you got to figure yourself, it's a business for yourself. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of players are scared to talk to a coach and maybe it's the coach too. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's, we're not approachable sometimes and we got to be careful of that. Hey, yeah, go ahead, speaking of old school, because we just started talking about old school stuff. Anyone that played hockey in the 90s or 2000s would have had a fucking laugh when they saw the, the crab walk on the practice when you had the boys blue line to blue line doing the old school push ups. And did you come in with like a that was you, right? I think that was that you or that was no, that was greener. No, that no, wasn't me. No, yeah, that was, fuck. That was Travis Green. Did I didn't see that this year. Or no, was yeah. that, they just showed a replay, that, but that's oh fuck, because yeah, I saw JT that, Miller boys flying up the ice. Yeah, I was greener. <laughs> that, that was that was that was because I, I was gonna go. What does it take to fucking you get the boys to go? Hey boys, <laughs> we're doing the crab walk and then ten push ups. Last guy's doing it again. I just I laughed when I saw it talk. So shit, my apologies. No, that was though. greener. Well, I was like, I text Greener. I'm like, what the fuck are you making the boys do the crab walk here for, fella? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little different. Like, I know that uh, the Tortorella, Green, those guys are, you know, and I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to set this bar where, you you know, the anxiety of a summer, you better be in shape. Now, I told our guys, we have a Canuck standard. You know, we'll have a skating test. And 
I'm not going to be doing crab walks, but we really, you know, you got four months, man. You got to be in shape after four months, um, especially when you haven't made the playoffs. Yeah. So they're on high alert. I told them there's going to be some standards that you're going to have to come in, but I, I don't believe in killing guys in camp. I, I believe you're in shape. We have so much to do, like system wise. We got to, you know, the special teams, like we have to have a good start. So I don't think killing the guys for three days is the way to go. Now, if you're out of shape, then that then you'll probably be in the C group, and then we're gonna have to deal with it a different way. I hope I hope hope we don't have a lot of guys in that C group. I'll tell you that. Yeah, talks. You, I've always wanted. I know you're the perfect guy. Like you, as a coach, you can tell who's like okay, the skate test and this and that, whatever. But like throughout training camp, you can tell who's in shape, right? Like you look at me, you're like, oh, Obi's looking a little chunky. And then we do our first inter squad game, you're like, fuck, O'Brien's not in shape. Like you don't need to skate me through the ice to realize that maybe I didn't do the extra in July and August. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'm a. I like the small ice games, man. That that's when you can tell who's in shape. Like you know, you know, guys. There's yeah. some guys are great skaters. They could skate around, and you're like, man. Then you other guys maybe not. You know, listen, maybe not as fast. And but all of a sudden you go in those corners and you play those three on three or two on two, and you do intervals like three times. You know, one times three rest. Then you see you can play the game. I I, I that's how I judge those small ice games. Um, then like you know the, the three you know three laps type of thing. I rather see some pushing and shoving personally yeah yeah fuck talks i would have loved to play for you fella i would, I would love a little push and shove in the corner myself fuck hey coaches love when the pucks Where are just talks when you put the one fuck. net in the corner and you can fucking face yeah, each other and the coach cool. has all the biscuits and he's just ripping them into the corner yeah. and watching the guys go to town <laughs> that's got to be a coach's highlight huh yeah we we do that we do that it's a drill yeah the two nets and it's it's a great drill you usually do that it, it, you, most coaches do it for punishment like i'm doing it for like i want like guys you know it's not kill each other but also like body position hey how do you how do you you know holding on to a puck under pressure uh when you know two guys are coming at you that's really what you look for punishment yeah once in a blue moon but to me it's it's really trying to hone your skill to be honest with you no and that's the game and by the way that's the game trying to realize how to defend now within the rules right like i laugh about cross-checking but if i was doing that drill with you every day i'd be like okay how do i defend here without taking a penalty yeah. because now it's so hard to defend as we all know Great point. And that's, yeah. and that's like, listen, the rules are the rules. Like, you know, we always bitch, you know, hey, this penalty, why did, but I'll tell you, it's our job as coaches, how, and even teaching the defense, like with foot and gauncher, how do you defend the corner? You know, like you can't hook and hold. So, you, you know, how do you do it? So, you know, exactly. we have some techniques. I'm a big believer, two hands, when you, when you can expose the hip, that's when you go to two hands and you kind of, you cross check the hips, but you don't like really cross check. You almost get inside the guy's hips. That's the only way you're gonna. How do you how do you defend McDavid? How do you defend Crosby? How do you do McKinnon? You got to double up on him, or you got to make sure that you got him close to the boards, and then you got to eliminate him as soon as you can. Once they get off the boards, you're dead. Yeah, you almost you almost got to put him into your coverage. You know. Yeah, talks just the last thing on training camp. I wanted to ask you, and you mentioned Torts. I had Torts, and he, you know, that yeah. summer he called me like ten fucking times to scare me even more. But in your case, are you are you are you going to check in with your veteran guys over the summer and say, hey, how you doing? How's it? Or are you just say, boys, I'll see you September one at, at GM Place or whatever? I don't think you can win nowadays by shaking a guy's hand. Hey, man, we'll see you in September. As a coach or assistant coach or even as a management, I think you got to be in, in contact with these guys. Um, I don't even know if you can go two or three weeks without even talking to a guy. And hopefully you have a relationship with a guy where a guy will call. Like JT Miller the other day just texted me, just say, hey, what's going on? So I'll give him a call this week. You know, like I think you have to build those relationships. I'll probably fly to Pitt to see a couple of guys. Um, I might go to Michigan to see uh, Huggy, uh, uh, Husey, and uh, Dakota Josh. These guys, uh, they're training there. Um, I might make a few trips uh, to see a couple of guys for sure. All right, yeah, talks perfect. You teed me right up. Let's start with let's start with JT Miller. This is a guy that I've loved since he's been a Vancouver Canuck. I take him on my team any day of the week. There's been some rumblings in Vancouver, you know, oh, he snaps too much. Oh, he points fingers. Like what what is your he feels like he's a Rick Tockett type of guy, I guess is what I'm asking you. Yeah, I love him. He's bought in what I'm doing. Um and listen, I understand. And he, you know, he'll tell you he made a mistakes, the perception of him. You know, the first thing I did, guys, when I walked in, um, you know, I introduced myself to the team. I watched, I showed a three-minute video to the players of bad body language and bad changes. And, you know, Millsy was in a couple. And I said, guys, I can put up with a lot of stuff. You know, I want you guys to have your fun. But, you know, if you're coming to the bench slow and you're, you know, you're, you're snapping your head back and the guy makes a bad pass to you, we're going to have a, we're going to have a problem. Like I'm, that's one non-negotiable. Uh, and I'm not saying Millsy was, you know, he, you know, he, he did it like everybody else. And I got to admit, 
the two, the three months, four months I were there, I didn't see much of that from Bilzi, man. He turned his whole thing around. He was there was a stretch there. He was one of the best two way players in the league. Like he had over a point a game, and he was shutting down uh, the other team's best player. Uh, that line was great. So he's been terrific. You know, he just wants to win. You know, he's he uh, he wears the you know his emotion on his sleeve sometimes, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, and I just think real quick to tag this about Miller is as a player, I wanted my guys to compete. I, yeah. I knew Upshaw was going to compete every night. When I, you know, watching you play talks, you compete every night. And I think as a coach, <clears throat> you realize it's not going to go our way every night. But if you compete every night, you can live with that, right? Yeah, and you know what's a good thing about Millsy and, and players like that? The, I know you guys love players like that. You might not have it that that night for whatever reason. You just your legs suck. You just don't have it. I like the guys that stay mentally strong and, and, and just do the right things. Like they don't, sometimes we don't have it. Guys are just, they're worse out there. They give the puck away. They just, they're just terrible. But if you can hang in there, you know, I won one game, Mills, he didn't have it. And I was watching him. He just wasn't making mistakes. He would dump it in. He had good angles. He'd come off early. And um, that's when I, sometimes when I really see a character of players where you can hang in there, like whatever happened, uh, the night day before or whatever, his legs aren't there. He can still hang in there. And that's that's developing a mental toughness for me and a team toughness. Left the legs in the bedroom, eh, up dog? Sometimes <laughs> I don't often you leave the legs yeah, in the bedroom. Little, <laughs> hey, boys, I'm a little light today. A little light. Talk a little bit about the room, a little bit about your room. Like, who who's the one pushing – uh, getting your guys like either, you know, in practice, pushing guys that you see like, hey, well, this guy's pushing and I could see everyone following him. Like, who are those guys? And then who are the guys that lighten things up, like come in with the smile on their face and you're like, hey, we need this. Like, you need to be like this all the time because the guys, we need them all fucking having a good time in here. Good question. Yeah, you're right. Um, I've been there four months and, you know, we're a quiet team. I, I it started getting vocal. Obviously, when you win some games and guys get more confident, it's a little bit more I'd like to see more guys chirping a little bit. Um, you know, Millsy will try to chirp. Uh, Garland, uh, Connor Garland, he'll try to chirp some guys. Uh, we probably need a little bit more like, you know, uh, you know what really took a big role for me um, is uh, is Hughes. Um, yeah. His game was incredible for us. Like, he really – he's an underrated defender. You know, I remember going there uh, not expecting how good of a defender he is. He defends different, obviously. You know, he kind of reminds me of like that Adam Fox real – they're hockey nerds. They play the game really smart. Um, and, you know, I think there's another level there for Huggy. Like, you know, he wants to be one of the top three defense. You know, he wants to be included in the Norris Trophy every year. Uh, and he can get there. So, it even himself was more vocal. Even my ear in a meeting, man, he was incredible. Like, what he – some of the stuff that he told me that he wants to do and something, you know, some insight of our team. So, <clears throat> we, we, we're not there yet, but you're right. We need to get a little bit more chemistry in the – like a little more fun, you know, a little, it, it's, there's a lot of pressure. And if you don't have some fun, the pressure can eat you. Uh, I've been in that room where there's pressure and, and you got to have those kind of those goofy guys in that you know, with personality to kind of, you know, knock that pressure off of your team. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on Hughes. When he first came in the league, the way he defended, I was like, I don't know if this guy's ever going to be right. right? And he got better and better. And then I think once you change the structure and, and the boys started playing a little tighter, his defensive game went through the roof. I, I agree with you. He impressed me so much down the stretch. I heard some comments from you about his leadership. And I, I don't know if you said he could be the captain, or he, but when I looked at him, I didn't think leadership for whatever reason. That's why I guess you got to get to know guys, but, but he has that quality to him, huh? Absolutely. He's, he's projecting to that level. You know, um, you know, we, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Um, yeah. We're not, we're not in a huge rush, but if you're, if, if, if I can tell you, and I've only been here, like I said, been there four months from day one to day, you know, the fourth day and the, the, like, what, what was that? 120 days later, Huggy has really kind of made that, that trajectory to, to be a captain. Like he's, he's done some things that are uncomfortable. Like uh, he said some things that are uncomfortable. You have to do to say to teammates or to a coach or to put your balls on the line. That's what captains do. It's not just about organizing a team party. It's about putting, your teammates first and also being able to go into a coach's office and say, Hey man, talk, you got to back off and practice. I got this. We'll, I guarantee you the next game we'll be ready to play. So I love that about him. Yeah. Yeah. Talks. I got to ask you about uh, Brock Besser. I, I mean, he's sick as hair in the NHL. What I wish I had his hair it would have been a game changer for me, but I've been hard on him talks over the years. Just listen, nobody, the, the release that he has, you can't teach. He can score goals at, at an unbelievable pace, but we talked about compete. Some nights I didn't love his compete. I thought it was better under you. I guess I'm asking, you know, what kind of kid is he? Does, does he like to compete? Is he just a quiet guy and, and, and he's not going to show that emotion like Millsy? 
Yeah, you know, I just diving in with him, and I, I've had a, numerous conversations. Um, you know, he went through a lot uh, last mm-hmm. year with his dad. Was you know, yeah. he was playing hockey. His dad was on his deathbed. That really hurt him. Uh, he got hurt. Yeah, listen, his compete level has to get higher. Uh, we we've we've discussed that. There's no secret. Uh, I thought he did play better as the season went on. I know there's a different level. I think personally, it's a mental thing with him. I think he's got to do a couple things this summer to help us compete. Um, if he can, if he can raise that bar of compete, the talent he has, and everybody says he's a slow, he's not that slow. Uh, you know, if you think the game right and you anticipate, you'll look fast, especially if you have a system where the, everybody knows where the puck's going. So, yeah, he's a he's a guy that needs a big summer for us. Uh, you know, if, if he can come back strong and be a twenty-five goal, you know, plus goal scorer, can compete on the boards. Um, that's a you know we don't you know it's, we're trying to look for those players. Hopefully, those are the guys that we can we have them in our system. Yeah, and I guess the last thing on the Canucks, you got anything out before? I we just wanted to, to talk okay. about Pedersen. Yeah. I just felt like yeah. he had he had another life or another stride that he got to under you, and whether that was you know, confidence thing, or maybe the, you know, the fans kind of backing off him a little bit, but he p- pulls off a hundred point season. And I think Obi, you and I ended up talking about him every other week yeah. being like, wow, you were right. Like he's got, he's got something special about him that he was able to tap into anything specific that you see in his game that uh, really took off to another level, or is there anything maybe that he can, that he can get better at? Yeah. He's a, uh, he's an interesting kid. He's very quiet. Um, he's, I'm not saying it's tough to get the no, but as as the months went on, we, we we really had a good relationship and talking about the game. He wants to be the best. Like he thinks he can be one of the best players ever to play the game. I love that swagger. Now to get there, I think for him right now is um, the leadership part. He's going to have to start to, it's not about him now. And I'm not saying he's a selfish guy. Don't get me wrong. He's going to have to drag people with him. Uh, that's his next level. Um, he's uncomfortable speaking in front of his teammates and, I told him when, when you know you're you're the player you are you you have a lot of cachet man when you speak you got to use that cachet you know, young guys want to hear you speak um, obviously he does it on the ice very special uh, when the, when the game's on the line two two he's made some hell of a place whether it's a goal or a great pass those guys are hard to find um, so yeah he, he's a he's a he's a guy that's for me he's going to get his points the next level for his leadership and I think he wants that and. Um, He's got to get a little more uncomfortable. Like I said, I, I, he's got to learn to speak to his teammates. Like, it's not a big deal. Nobody's going to laugh at you. And that's his next level. And uh, I'm, so, I'm so lucky to have uh, Like, yeah. he's just a terrific player, though. Yeah. Terrific. And just, you know, same with him. When he first came in the league, I was like, this guy's got to eat a sandwich. Like, get on the fucking ice cream. Get the fucking chocolate sauce <laughs> on there. Like, to me, talks down the second half, like Uppy said, he started to look more mature to me. Like, is, yeah. is this a kid that you're like, you know, Work on your skills, obviously, but get in the gym. And, and maybe if you could put five pounds of muscle on, like, is that something that, that he's going to probably focus on this summer? Yeah, he had a trainer last year that really helped him. He thought to help him, and he's going to go back to him. He's got some goals he wants to get about. Yeah, like you're right, five, six pounds stronger. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a good two-way guy. Now now it's about body position. The one good thing with him, he's really good with his body uh, in body position. If you get, you know, like you said, OB, if he gets that five or six pounds a little stronger – He's going to be a menace. Yeah. He's going to be a menace down there as a, as a two-way plus a guy that can score 100 points and play under pressure, which I think he loves playing under pressure. Yeah, I would agree. And I guess the last thing on the Canucks talks, and then we'll talk some playoff hockey now. We got some Gretzky stuff we yeah. want to get into you with. But, you know, there's there's no more Rick Talkets out there. I understand that. There's no more Darcy Horder Chucks and Rick Rippin, God rest his soul. But as an ex-Canuck, I got to ask you, like, is toughness on the list here this summer of something that you'd like to address? To Because when I watched you play, I, I like the direction you're heading in. But as an ex-Canuck, I still think we could use a little more sandpaper out there. Yeah, it's listen. It's it's on our list for sure. Yeah. The editor means, yeah, we got to get tougher. Um, whether it's guys in our system, whether it's my job to get guys to play a little tougher than they than, than they they have, that's my job. To go get those guys are hard to find, um, but that is on our list. Uh, Ob, like, yeah, would I like a guy to to be able to go out there and, and change momentum of a game? Um, and if there's some pushback from our uh, from from uh, from a team, do we have the guys to push back? not so much fighting yeah uh it's really the next shift like how do you stop momentum um yeah that's on the list for sure yeah that's that separates that separates teams yeah gets your guys more confident allows you to play a better heavier game i think you look in the playoffs those big teams are the ones that 
I don't know if they're going to get by yeah. Dallas or not, but like that Marcus Foligno, if I could fucking get him on my squad, if I was a GM yeah. or coach, like just guys like that, that compete and play. And I know he's a dying breed too. And like talk said, it's, they're, they're hard to find, but not a fighting, but guys that just kind of play hard ups. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that mini team is, you know, I know Billy Garrett is good, but that's a very close team. They're tough. They're yeah. a tough team, but they're very close. Did uh, you? You can tell that's why they've been successful. Yeah. Did you ever play against Dean Evison, by the way? Because I had him as a junior coach. You must have played against that little fucker. Right? <laughs> yeah, I played against Steve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he was at Hartford stuff. Yeah, he was a he was a good player, man. He was a little rat on the ice. Yeah. He, uh, he's a, he's 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 hilarious behind the bench. Him I know. Bozy went at it. That was hilarious. Him and Bozy. Yeah, that was there. great. Bozy called him a little shrimp. Bozy called him a little shrimp. Hey, Bozy. <laughs> I'm like, Bonesy, you're 68 years old. Don't mess that suit up, Fowler. Come on, Bonesy. He's got the crazy <laughs> eyes, Dino. Yeah, I've never seen a coach, I mean, with the, the like, he punches that Derby Hendrickson or Derby <laughs> Hendrickson every time they win a game. He fucking drills with talks. <laughs> hey, so talks, this, well, is, yeah. this is great. I might have told this story, but when we had him in Kamloops back in junior, he um, we'd have this workout gym, right? A little tiny thing, no bigger than our studio. And we would do these circuits and he was a big guy in working out and he loved to golf too. So he'd be like, guys, like, fuck what you're not going to work out. Cause you don't want, you don't want to be too sore to go golf after. He's like, I work out every day and I fucking love the pain. But anyway, we'd have the heavy bag and he'd tape like a Prince George Jersey around it. Right. A cougar Jersey. And we'd, we'd fucking part of the circuit would grab onto that thing. You had to grab on and just, fuck <laughs> it was, I mean, this was what we walked into in junior hockey back in the day. Right. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I, I love that stuff. I love that stuff. I, I, we actually should do that now. Put, put it in the heavy bag with a, Whoever you're playing the night before. Yeah. 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 And just go yeah. in there and say, boys, before you leave, get a couple rights in on the jersey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Back before you head for lunch. But <laughs> uh, um, Okay, so to piggybacking into, into playoff a little yeah. bit right now, I had a conversation yeah. with my boy Rob Bertuzzo, fucking legend. Um, and he said that Seattle and L.A. were two of the hardest teams that he, they played this year. What I'm witnessing, you know, out of Seattle, the way they play, their structure, they're, they're just go, go, go. And their guys are all, they're all bought in. Um would you say this like? Would you say that that's a good argument? Like the way that they're playing right now, they're making it tough. They're being a hard team to play against. Well, listen, they kicked our ass the two games I coached. Um, yeah, um, and, and I know Bert well, and he's right. Um, when they when they get possession, they take off. You know, if you look at the, the way they construct their team, they had some really good free agent signings. Um, I don't even know their fourth line. Uh, Sprung scored what he scored. He's a, he's a fourth liner. He scored twenty one goals. Yeah. Some nights you don't even know who their first line is. Like, to be honest with you, they have four solid lines. They're deer big, but they're pretty mobile. But when they get the puck, it's gone. They, they do a lot of space plays, right? They'll throw, they'll throw pucks and yeah. they skate into it. Um, and they, they gave us fits. So he's right. And the same thing with LA, a very structured team. Um, same thing, four really good lines. I mean, that, that's the common denominator. Uh, some teams, you know, you go to the fourth line, there's a big gap between the third and the fourth line. Not on those teams. They're they're pretty well even, uh, those four lines. I would say I don't want to take anything away from the Kraken. The updog loves the fucking Kraken here too. So he's he's all in on the Kraken. Well, I, I but, picked him to get out of the first round and now I gotta go against the Avs, but yeah. it's not perfect. But when you when I <laughs> everything you said is obviously right, but when you look at the Avs, you realize the lack of depth, right? Like no Landis Cog. Kadri goes to Calgary. The big Nutrition train doesn't play last night. Like it's no disrespect to Ben Myers and Lars Eller. And fucking new hook drives me crazy. But when you look at the abs, when I watch right now, it's like if the big boys don't do a talks, they could lose this series. Yeah, I did that series last year, uh, Colorado and Edmonton and uh, fall of Colorado. If you look, they were their, their fourth line was really it was, you know, it was that really played well for him. Comfort played that third hole, which yeah. he's probably one of the best third line yeah. center in the, in the league. Um, yeah. So and then obviously losing to Kushkin last night was a big loss. I, I love that guy. So. Yeah, the, 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 but they still got it. Colorado, there's moments there for about seven yeah. minutes with like the Holland Globetrotters. Yeah. I know, it's uh, crazy. And McKinnon, like, you know, when, when, when McKinnon gets pissed, you know, uh, you know, it, it, this is a huge game, game five. Fucking Seattle massive. has a shot of winning this. And I'll be honest with you, Grubauer has to be an all, he has to be the first or second or third star the next game. I mean, if he's just okay, I don't think they can win the game. But he, if he's a, one of the stars of the game, they have a shot. Talk, sure. talk. How would you personally, if bring you back, you're 28 years old, you're you're playing McKinnon in this series. How would you play him? How would, would you would you want to piss him <laughs> off, or would you just would you follow him around? Would you slash him? What would be like your? Yeah, you know, how do you get a guy like that off his game? 
I always feel like rush players. You got you got to swing with them. F one's got to swing with. You got to take them off the rush. They're hard to, to hard to do. And he'll sometimes they'll even McDavid they'll beat the F one. That's where F two comes in. You have to have one F two swing and get the puck out of his hands and slow him up at the blue line. That's your only chance. Like the thing with McKinnon, he's he's so good hash marked down. It's hard to double up on a guy like that. You know, I'm a big double double up guy. You know, Obi, you play defense. It's hard to play one on one in the corner. That's why you need that center help. And 100%. You can kind of squash it right away. If you don't and you make the wrong read, he's going to find somebody. Um, he's going to find the weak side defenseman or he'll find that, you know, that slot guy if you're late. So um, I'm telling you, it's it's a menace. Uh, but for me, those guys like that, you got to take them away in the rush. You, you, you got to be above all night against that line. You have to. You got no choice. You yeah. got no choice. And you guys know as playoffs, you make adjustments, right? In Seattle, they did it last night. McKenna comes in 100 miles an hour, and he does that tight turn up the wall, and the Someone forward would just fucking yeah. squash him. Somebody somebody killed him. Who was the guy? I don't even know the guy's name. It was uh, – it might have been Borgstrom or somebody. Tanev, maybe. McKenna does that tight turn. They close on him, hit him, turn over, they go the other way. So Seattle's made some good adjustments. But I would like – you bring up Grubauer talks – if I'm the Avs, I'm going that blue paint a little bit harder. And I got to give credit to or, uh, Orlovsky, uh, Larson, yeah. Vince. They've done a good job, but get in that fucking blue paint and get in Grubauer's face in game five. Yeah, and, and, and Colorado can do that. I mean, they're, they're not afraid to get to the paint, right? Um, but I will say that's a great thing that you picked up last uh, where they back-checked uh, McKinnon, right? They yeah. back-checked him. It's like Boston Bruins play like that. But my, my thing is now I want to see what Bednar does or what McKinnon does to counteract that. There's some things you can do if a team over back checks on your star player, right? You got the D and then the, the forward. So there's some stuff that counteracts. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they counteract that that's a system of, of back checking the, all the way into, into the, you know, um, down by the hash marks. Talks. I always wonder this about coaches. Like, come playoff time, you know, you're in a different situation because you only were there for 25 games. But your your team misses the playoffs. You know, you're going back next year. Are you watching? Are you always watching these playoff games as a coach? Like, are you like, okay, I noticed that. I'll write it down. I remember it. Or, or sometimes are you just trying to be a fan and trying to enjoy it as well? No, man. I'm I'm as a coach. I'm, yeah. I'm learning right now. I'm yeah. going. Who's doing what? What system? You know. And I'll be honest. With you, Ninety percent of the teams do the same thing. It's a copycat league. It's the ten percent, right? And that's what you're that's what you're trying as a coach to pick up. What's that ten percent difference that they're doing that we're not? Um, and I have our coaches. You know, we have a lot of coaches. I got them doing some projects. They, I'll have the twins looking at the top five best offensive teams and their power plays. I'll have Adam Foot watching the D zone coverage. You know, Mike Yo doing the PK. So they're watching, and then we're gonna probably have a coaches symposium in August, and they'll they'll present. Hey, this is what I picked up on this series. You know. I think you have to challenge your staff to think outside the box. Um, and when I watch these games, yeah, listen, there's certain guys I want to see some coaches that I'm, I'm friends with. Hey, I hope they win, but I'm, I'm watching as a coach. And, I, and I'm actually watching the adjustments. Like, what are teams going to do different? Like, what, you know, what's going to happen here? You know, how's Winnipeg going to change some of their stuff? You know, how's Tampa going into Toronto? What are they going to do different? So you're looking at those, those little different subtleties. Uh, there's one thing I want to ask you about uh, year-end meetings. Are you a big year-end meeting guy? And, and when the boys walk in the year-end meeting, are you expecting their eyes to be a little glossy? Because fuck, mine were always a little glossy talks. But are you a year-end meeting guy? Like, do you have do you want to talk to the boys before they leave town? Or hey, boys, I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Well, first of all, I, I have this Visine bottle, and I say squirt, squirt it before we start talking yeah. here. I don't want to look at the red eyes. Yeah, well, the, the coaches were right there with them. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Good coaches no, are. I, 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 to me, like, listen. How do you, you know, how long do you have a, a, a year-end meeting? Like, is it 15? Like, you're going to do follow-up calls. I was, the 15 minutes is basically a couple of, you know, a couple of, they'll say something, I'll say something, we'll come to, not so much an agreement, hey, we're going to do a follow-up call, or maybe I'll come and visit you. Those 10 minutes or 15, it's really a couple of little things here and there. You can't really accomplish anything in 15 minutes. You know, a, a lot of guys have a lot to say, and, you know, I don't want the you know, look at looking at my watch as the guys talking because they're important things. Right? Yeah, so exactly. It's really it's it's more for following up. That's really what it's about. Yeah. I was always like, I got so much I'm gonna say, and then I go yeah. on a fucking three day bender. I get in there like, yeah, anything to say, Oops, no boys, thanks, great here. Thanks, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Everything's great. Everything's great, Everything's great boys. Great. Everything's great, boys. Uh, but uh then the young guys are there for fucking yeah, four fuck. hours. I just and, wanted to go to bed. I'm like, I gotta get a fucking nap in here. They're this late for their yeah. tea time, and yeah. it's just the full thing. Um, talks, man, you, the Gary Kirkuck stuff, it's been great. I got to ask you about your boy, 99, my boy right here, Upshaw, teed me yeah. up. I've never, I never got to meet Gretzky. 
Yeah. No, I only got to meet him. I got to play around the golf with him. I, I was blown away, Talks. I was blown away at how much he knows the game, how much he loves the game, how great of a guy he was. And fuck, he can putt, by the way, too. He made about 250 feet of putts. But I guess he was a better guy than I expected, Talks, which is crazy. Yeah, it's listen, it's hard to, you know, I've known him for 30 years, 40 years. And um, I just, the behind the scenes stuff that he does, uh, I mean, it's it's incredible. Um, it is, yeah. You know, he takes so many buddies and, and buddies of mine golfing at the Grove. Like, just he's the most generous guy I know. Um, I talked to him quite a bit. I, I, I bounced a lot of things. Even before I took the Canuck job, I talked to him for a, a solid almost every day. Like, he was kind of concerned because he wanted to make sure I was doing the right thing. And I had a good life going, man. And he said, you sure you want it? So he, he was playing devil's advocate. That's why I love old friends. You know, he was, he was trying to show me a different side of the spectrum. Um, but yeah, for, for a guy, happy hour guy, he's, he's the best. (laughs) He is the best, like loves the stories. He's got the best stories. Um, there's about three hours that, you know, when, when he actually, when he was coaching there in Arizona, I was with him, it was eight, five o'clock, eight o'clock dinner, happy hours, talk about the game. It's the game. And then it was bedtime for him. So that's the way he is today. He's just uh he's the best. He's the best. Fuck, we might have a new t-shirt here at Missing Curfew. Happy hour guy. We might have to we might have to make that one talk. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. fucking good one. Yeah. Talks. I did I so I, I cheated and I called him this morning and he was golfing. He's golfing with the Kachucks and and Warren yeah. Warren Reichel and he said, uh I said, oh, What do you got on talk? What do you got on talks, eh, Gretz? I got him coming in. <laughs> and he goes, You gotta ask him about the eighty seven finals when he had me pinned in the corner in game one. Um, do, oh, do, yeah. do you recall he, this? He loves that story, man. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we it was the first shift of the game. You know, Keenan's going. You got to get out there and you got you know you got to get on Gretzky and you know basically cross check him in the head type of thing, right? <laughs> so we were in a, we, we, we were in a scrum and I was just giving it to four on the back. You're and I was just Gretzky. You're gonna get it. You're gonna get it all seven games. I'm gonna give it to you all seven games. He goes. He kind of looked around. And he looks. I don't know what you're thinking about, but I only plan on taking this shit four games. So a couple of guys laughed, and uh, he was actually he, he tripped every once in a while. But he was just basically telling me, you know, where this thing's only going before it went five. Actually, it was I was 85 when I when I did it. But, uh, um, but yeah, he, he, he's a pretty good he's a pretty good chirper, man. I'll tell you what, he's got some good stuff. I mean, it's crazy, like, how much he remembers, eh? Like, you know, the stories he was telling, like, I mean, the guy is the great one. His life's been unbelievable, but he remembers everything. Like, he was bringing up he's stories. A, he's a historian. Yeah, of the like, game. I yeah, was blown really, away yeah. talks. I was blown away. Yeah, he's uh, he is a historian. He, uh, he knows everything about the game. Um, he knows um, all these stories. Like, you know, he was uh, he was just in uh, Florida, and Bobby Orr was there, and he spent about a half hour with Bobby Orr. He was telling me he had a great conversation with Bobby Orr. He hasn't seen him in a long time. Anytime there's the former greats are around and he knows they're in the building, he'll go seek them out. That's what I love about him. Yeah. Like he, he just loves, um, and he, he, he loves the way the game's going too. Right. Like when I actually, when I did that, uh, day in the life of the TNT with Rick Tockett, he called me, he said, more coaches got to do that. We got to do that where we got to grow the game. Like he, and he actually did it. So, um, that's why he's a great ambassador, man. Like he's, he's the best, right? He's the, for, for where the game has gone. It's obviously because of Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. That was great. The day in the life, the thing you, yeah. they did in TNT was great, but I got to tell you the story about the up dog to the great one at the Grove. So we're on, we're on the back diet and, and Gretz has got him bent over a little bit. Hey, eh? Gretz is poured into him a little bit and Gretz stuffs one on 16. Is it the par three? Yeah. And I'm talks, I'm telling you, fella, it is fucking this. And Gretz is just behind his cart, smoking a cigar and up. He's like, I'm like, that's probably good. He's already writing his birdie down on the phone. He's like, that's probably good, right? Up. So I sit up. She's like, fuck that. He's putting it. So he makes Gretzky get out of his cart and go fucking putt. I'm like, I'm done. That makes me feel better than when you make me putt him. Because at least you made 99 putt the fucking five footer. I ain't changing. (laughs) Did did, did Janet play with you guys? No. No, no, no. no, no. She didn't. No, we were That's, we, we were lucky because she she'd want to get in our pockets, eh? So we were lucky. We just had Wayno. Yeah, you 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 got to go to the bank before you you play her. Yeah. You got to be ready. You got to be ready. Yeah. She's she's a competitor too. She, and you know what? These ones you got to put these ones with her. Oh, like cut she, yeah. she, Oh, she wants it in the cup. She plays she plays right in the cup. That girl. I think Janet might still owe me a couple bucks for my trip at Gauzer a couple last summer. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I got in her pockets. Wow. And I wasn't going to tell Wayne that he owes me the money. I'm going to collect that from Janet. Yeah. Shut up. Um, and speaking of Gauzer, that's a place that we uh, oh. we need to do a little fella tour this summer. The tree bar. The, the tree bar is a, oh, it's, uh, I, I was there for about 10 days last summer. 
And, uh, you know, Sean Payton, I was up there with Sean. Uh, he, he's buddies with all those guys yeah. up there. And uh, he was a treat to play. Play with him every day with Gretz. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people up there. Sheldon Surrey. Um, Russ you know, Cordo's uh, Rusty. The, the Russ, Cordo's Russ, yeah. Yeah, Russ Kelly Chase. The Wiz. He's funny. The Wiz. The Wiz. Yeah. He's a great golfer. There's a lot of good golfers up there, but uh, it's it's really about golfing and being able to hold the beverages down. That's really that's you know that's <laughs> really what it comes down to up there. Yeah, we yeah. fit right in. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, talk about Coach Payton. Do you think it? Like, would he be a guy you could ever lean on for like some of the stuff? Like, he seems like a just an unbelievable guy with leadership qualities and the fact that you, you know, coaching the NFL is the ultimate thing. But I always remember Hitchcock telling me that Andy Reid was a guy that if you could ever get on the phone and chat with, he he wanted to make those calls because it was just it's knowledge that you can't really you know get anywhere else, right? Yeah, I, I picked his brain up. I, yeah. I, I sat with him dinners and breakfast, and we we're talking about coaching. I asked him what some of the stuff that he does. Obviously, he's got was it fifty five guys on a roster and. It's totally different. Um, but he talked about his relationship with players. Um, you know, he said, um, you know, he, like he said, he, he tried to almost every other day, make sure he talked to almost everybody or, you know, somehow get in, the, in everybody's meetings. They have so many meetings, you know, they're tough to get to for head coaches, but he tried to get with a, you know, every Tuesday, at least a meeting with every, every department. Right. Um, and then he signs that big deal in Denver. I think he's going to be terrific for the yeah. Broncos, man. He's going to. And I think uh, Russell Wilson should bounce back because he's a quarterback's type of coach, right? Look what he did with Breeze. Yeah. Uh, but what a great guy to bounce ideas off. Yeah. Fucking Russell Wilson fucked up my whole fantasy team talks. I took him and they forgot how to play football on me. So not a huge, not, not a huge Wilson fan. But you're right. If, if anyone can get a bounce back, it's Coach Payton. But um, talks. Thank you, man. Uh, you've been great to us ever since we started this podcast as an ex Canuck. Uh, I'm proud to have you behind the bench, buddy. I'm looking forward to watching you boys keep it rolling. So thank you for taking the time and keep doing what you're doing because you're great for the game, my man. No, oh, thank you. No, they, uh, love going to the show. I think. Can you see? I got the. Uh, oh yeah, the there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So I got the T-shirt. I, I know I represent. No, uh, like I said, great podcast you guys got. I think a lot of people like uh, listening to you guys. What you got to say? But it's been a lot of fun. We got to, yeah, we got to do a Dodger trip this year. I, mean, we, I got four months off, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. well, hopefully this is my last four months ever. <laughs> we'll see. Exactly. Enjoy it while you can. Enjoy it while you can. Thanks, Talks. Thanks, Talks. kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. 